From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. Spiro Borsinos was the impresario behind the rave music phenomenon Earthcore. When he died last year, he left behind a legacy of paranoia, intimidation and financial mismanagement. Martin Mackenzie Murray on Spiro Borsinos's rise and fall. Maria, I thought let's start with Spiro. Is it Spiro Borsinos? Yeah, or Borsin. And Spiro died last year. What happened on his last night alive in Melbourne? What we know is that he was out at an Elstonwick bar called the Antique Bar in the inner south of Melbourne. There's still a little mystery to it. Martin Mackenzie Murray is a journalist and author. He wrote about Earthcore in the latest issue of The Monthly. But his last night alive, he's out at the Antique Bar, drinking initially with friends, then later alone. He becomes increasingly abusive and irrational until some point in the early morning uh, he smashes a bottle and he threatens to slice patrons with it. Uh, The police arrive fairly promptly. They arrest Spiro Borsinos, at which point he loses consciousness. And the police attempt to revive him and fail. Uh, Paramedics arrive. They also fail. And he dies in the bar. So tell me about who he was. Spiro was... It's hard to be succinct with Spiro Borsinos. He was the founder of Earthcore, is the simplest answer, I guess. Earthcore being, as Spiro would put it, the founding or pioneering bush doof, that is, a rave out in the Victorian bush. So he was seen as this kind of godfather of, of the bush doof. And as DJs told me, people come and people go, but his longevity was quite exceptional. He possessed a legend. It was largely a dark one, a pretty squalid one, but Earthcore was his life. And he was synonymous with Earthcore. He himself said it was his life's work. So if we go back to the the early 90s when he first gets the idea to start this festival in the bush, he goes to London first. To England and I discovered uh, techno music and um, discovered the whole warehouse party and it was like a warehouse party scene and stuff like that. I thought, wow, this is it, you know? Yeah, so he says, and this is sort of perhaps the first hurdle. He was a great self-mythologiser. So friends contradicted the fact of whether or not he went to London or not in the very early 90s. But we know why he would want to be known to have been there. And it was because it was ground zero for the illegal raves, this kind of thrilling subterranean world. He comes back from London, perhaps. He's a young student of marketing. He says that it's for a university assignment that he kind of concocted the idea of this kind of dance party out in the bush, borrowed from the warehouses of London. People go out, they want to be on the land, they cut loose. They cut loose, yeah. Unleash and regret it later is how Spiro Borsianos himself put it. But just turning 17 or 17 and a half or 18, I don't know what I was, but I was young. Yep. And I was sort of like, oh, this is good, you know. It's awesome, like, doing a party and you know, getting shut down and losing lots of cash. So let's just just keep doing it. What an incredible rush. Initially, it's illegal. It's unauthorised. It's out in a Victorian state forest. And it's maybe 100, 200 people. It's basically friends. But Spiro gets a taste for it. He likes the renown. He has a partner who is much better at the logistics. 
and they kind of go straight. That is, they get authorization, they get the state's permission, they tick all the boxes, they get permits, and it starts snowballing. So by about 95, 96, up to 15 or 20,000 people are attending Earthcore. This is the land of the bush doof, aptly named after the thumping bass kick of a techno tune. Cultural theorists start attending and rhapsodizing about the spiritual benefits of these dance parties. As DJ after DJ pitched their wits against the dancing gladiators in this almost medieval amphitheater. Uh, you've got the punk DIY ethic as well, so people are kind of making their own campsites and sculptures. <laughs> While everyone's either relaxing, dancing or prancing around, the Lokomoptic design crew were putting the finishing touches to the decor in the main area. The showpiece, a crucifix made out of wood, televisions, dolls and computer monitors. Um, you've got vegan stalls, UNHCR stalls. Ah, uh, there's stacks of stalls, yeah. There's like mm -hmm. um, all cuisines from like, you know, Mexican to you name it, it's there. And they were also starting to get some of the biggest names in the world, um, like Aphex Twin, to perform. Co-founders would tell me that it probably peaked around the millennium. After that, things started falling apart a little bit. Financially, it was never really sustainable. Spiro Borsinos felt incredibly stressed that he had to kind of maintain a reputation for these huge extravaganzas, um, but it simply couldn't be afforded. Borsinos was simply not stable enough a human being to run such a stressful and demanding event. Look, I must say, I know how hard it is to be a promoter. Ah. Uh -huh. uh, because you put your balls on the line yeah. and it doesn't always go the way you planned. That's plan. exactly right. Um, but there was sufficient goodwill, I guess, and sufficient numbers, the appearance, in other words, of success, which probably papered over some of the structural difficulties. So there's this kind of public peddling of the, the mythology of attending an Earthcore event while at the same time essentially teetering on the brink of collapse. Yeah, that's right. And also engined by or perpetuated by really scurrilous behaviour. So some of this behaviour was advertising acts that had no intention of playing or strong-arming acts by advertising their appearance before they had agreed to it. So they're on the poster and they haven't said yes. That's right. And then not paying them or paying them half their appearance fee. But this was routine. This was happening basically every year. There also talk of uh, sabotage between rival festivals. Other people started, you know, mimicking and copying, like copies like, um, what's that called? What's that, what's that other event called? <laughs> Rainbow something? No, no. It goes from, say, the benign, uh, which is tearing down posters, promotional posters, through to liaising with police to tip them off about potential drug deliveries at rival festivals. And then there's even accusations of things like money laundering and, and drug money financing. Yeah, so as we're getting up to about 2008, I heard routinely that for a period at least, around about 2006, that Earthcore was likely part-funded by a drug trafficker. Victoria Police certainly thought that Earthcore was used to launder drug money. So what does that mean for the festival at that time, 2008 in itself at the actual Earthcore event ends up being relatively catastrophic? It does. Now in 2008, nearly half of the acts withdraw after they have not been paid properly. Spiro Borsinos at that point is conducting himself essentially with the air of a gangster. It's all threats and ultimatums. He's blackmailing friends and colleagues, becoming 
increasingly toxic, increasingly erratic and impulsive. So in 2008, you have all of these acts withdraw. It's a shambles. It goes ahead, uh, but there's a lot of bad will. And Spiro Borsinos at that point pulls the plug. And he says, that's it. There will never be another Earth core. We'll be right back. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Marty, a few years after that 2008 Earth call when Spiro Borsinos declared the festival dead, he changes his mind and he starts looking for a new site to rebirth the idea. He does. So, you know, it was described to me as the wilderness years by some that knew him at the time. Uh, he was sleeping on couches. He was nursing his resentments. And his promise to never revive Earth Core is broken in 2013. He's bringing it back. It's like a big comeback sort of story for me. And I'm you know, pretty happy where I'm at right now. I'm, you know, pretty quietly, quietly confident that um, this is going to be my best Earth Core ever. So in 2013, he puts out an advert asking Victorian farmers to contemplate leasing their land. And he puts this out in the Weekly Times or something like that? Yeah, the Weekly Times, yeah. And it's at this point that he kind of goes into partnership with a farmer, Brendan Kelly. So Brendan Kelly, in a little town called Pyalong, it's a town of like 660 people north of Melbourne, he responds and he hosts the 2013 return of EarthCore. It's an interesting partnership, I guess, in that Brendan Kelly is a blunt, plain-spoken, tough Aussie farmer. He has no previous association with raves or the bush doof, but he sees a business opportunity. But it was said to me that Spiro met his match in Brendan Kelly. He met someone strong, unapologetic. Straight talking. Straight talking. And he would refuse to be intimidated by Spiro Borsinos. This slick impresario from the city. Yeah. Brendan Kelly argued that Earth Corps generated a bit of local employment for mums and dads. He says the first one, 2013, went quite well, though even from the start, Spiro Borsinos was erratic and violent, verbally, you know, abusive, impetuous, very, very difficult to work with. And he said that only got worse over the years. Spiro Borsinos would make all these grand promises about how the locals would be the first to pay, but then they'd be packing down, going back to Melbourne, and plenty of locals wouldn't have been paid for their work. And Brandon Kelly was kind of left with the baby in that instance, the figurehead of Earth Corps who remained in town trying to explain to the angry locals why they weren't being paid. 
So their relationship sours over the few years that Earthcore's held at that location. And then by 2016, they have what ends up being the last Earthcore festival at Brendan Kelly's property. That's right. Brendan Kelly wants nothing at all to do with Earthcore anymore. And Pylong is also not renewing the permits. They're also insolvent at this point. So Spiro Bocinos is trading whilst insolvent. I mean, there are people out there who would probably say that uh, they're owed money, um, which I know in the business, mate, that happens. And uh, that's something you have to, I guess, uh, work out within yourself. How do you, how do you, you know, what do you do? What do you do? You pay back your debts. Yeah? Yeah, that's what you do, and that's the end solution to it. So, you know, if anyone... Have you ever had to go bankrupt, for example? Um, not personally, no. No? No. It's hemorrhaging money. He's pissed off a hell of a lot of people. And yet, in 2017, he looks to expand Earthcore. So as well as having a Victorian event, there would be ones in Queensland, New South Wales, and Western Australia. A sort of refusal to accept the reality. Yeah. He was also a chronic gambler in that he gambled with opportunities. He felt that today's debts would be paid off by tomorrow's parties. But it fails spectacularly. 36 acts, mostly international, withdraw because they've been abused, because they've been lied to, uh, because they haven't been paid or they've been paid insufficiently. And so of those four events, only one with a skeletal lineup, the Victorian event goes ahead. So that year, Earthcore doesn't happen on Brendan Kelly's property, but it's not the end of his dealings with Spiro either. Yeah. There was one expression of criticism, and it was a Facebook page called Earthcore Memes. It was a repository for very acerbic memes, mocking or exposing Spiro Borsinos. And he was almost fanatical in trying to unmask the person behind it. And so one target of this was Brendan Kelly. Brendan Kelly receives um, many harassing calls from either Spiro Borsinos or associates. On one occasion, it's from a man calling himself Jason, and he profanely uh, threatens Brendan Kelly. Well, mate, I've got to sort out some shit, I can tell you that, pal. I'll be there to see you within the next few days. And I'll tell you what, you'd want to fucking stop starting shit with Spiro. You've got no idea the trouble that's coming your way. No, is he am I talking to? Um, he's not the sharpest goon in the world, and he has used his undisguised phone number and his real name. You were, you were talking to Jason, mate. And you will meet me soon. Right, I... So Brandon Kelly goes to police. They don't have good news. Jason has priors for assault. And they said, if he shows up, you give us a call or do what you need to do. Another example was a group of former friends and colleagues and a journalist and they had this message group, which was infiltrated by a friend of Spiro's. Their names were made public, and they were threatened. Spiro Borsinos uh, tried to convince people to disclose their home addresses so he could pay them or his goons could pay them a visit. Others were receiving a lot of threatening phone calls. And this is all in his final year, in fact, his final months. He says that the jealous haters and the trolls don't mean anything to him. He's got thick skin, but the last months of his life were spent intimidating critics. And right until the end, he holds on to this delusion, doesn't he, that he's going to be putting on another festival and that Earthcore is everything, that he's still in charge of it. Yeah. It was a few weeks before the 25th anniversary and it was said that he was celebrating a venue for Earthcore, but co-organisers wouldn't tell me what those venues were, which I thought was suspicious. And when does it... End for Brendan Kelly, the farmer. 
Well, when does it end? I guess with Spiro's death. He's receiving, you know, being peppered with calls. I think it continued the day after Spiro Bolsenos' death. So Brendan Kelly, like a lot of other people, simply didn't believe that he was dead. And that wasn't sort of garden variety shock. You know, when you hear of the sudden demise of somebody, this was weirder than that. You know, such was the capacity for Spiro Bolsinos for spooky mischief that a considerable number of people thought initially that he was faking his death. These were the sort of dark arts that he played in, you know. Completely bizarre. Incredibly bizarre, yeah. And so what does he leave behind? A highly fraught legacy. There are still defenders who saw a creative and influential man in this particular space. I mean, even his defenders would qualify his virtues to me and other reporters. And they would use rather inane, predictable words like polarising and colourful. These are insipid words. They're not satisfactory words to describe the legacy of disorder and how actually traumatised some people are. Um, such as one colleague who slept with a machete by his bed for years after Spiro Borsinos threatened to kill him. So we're talking about actual damage. But his defenders seem to say, not explicitly, but it was heavy on the suggestion that because he had created this thing, that trumps the behaviour. <sighs> his life was so strange, so luridly shambolic. You know, I've written a lot on men behaving badly, but few as aggressively and weirdly destructive as this guy. You know, only you, the person coming, can really save yourself. We can help, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's the person's using their own mind and common sense and getting wasted and, 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 and you know, it's not a fashion statement and just use common sense. Enjoy yourself to a capacity, to a level that you can and then if you see your friends or anyone else having too much whatever, um, you know, maybe tap them on the back and say, mate, you know, calm down or Take chill out. Yeah. Join Richard Tognetti and the ACO for a bold and intrepid 2022. Featuring a live national concert season, their acclaimed on-demand film series ACO Studio Casts, and exciting programs from their new home in Sydney's Walsh Bay. Subscriptions now on sale at aco.com.au. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Elsewhere in the news, a drone attack on two key oil fields in Saudi Arabia has affected up to half the country's oil production. Markets have not yet responded as they were closed for the weekend. The US Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said the attack was Iranian-backed and called it a, quote, unprecedented attack on the world's energy supply. Houthi rebels, who were backed by Iran, said they carried out the attacks using 10 drones. And in New South Wales, experts warned that without significant rain or government intervention... The towns of Dubbo, Cobar, Ningen and Narramine could be without water as soon as November. The New South Wales Water Minister, Melinda Pavey, said the situation is critical. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. See you Tuesday. <laughs> 